Welcome to episode four, A New Hope, is what Star Wars episode four is called. This, however, is Shifties, the podcast about restaurants and other things on occasion. We've dabbled in hot doggery before. My name is Andrew, also known as many things, chief among them, cold cut. Who else do we got here? To his right, you got Wallace. To his right and to the left left of cold cut. We got Joey. To his right, I am Whitney. To the left, left, left of Cold Cut. Yes. That's right. We have <laughs> women friends. They at, exist. At least one. At least we have women friend. Woman friend. <laughs> woman friend. Um, we should call them woe people. Woe people. Excuse me. I was kidnapped and dragged in here, you know. That's true. Don't tell yeah. them that part. <laughs> <laughs> I was pronouncing it with a Y. W-O-Y-M. I don't know how you guys were saying it, but... Women? Women, yeah. Women, like W-Y-M-I-N. Yeah, W-O-M-Y-N. Oh, women. Interesting. It's hmm. very, it's very fantasy-like of you. Like, if I was J.R.R. Tolkien, I'd probably name somebody that, you know? <laughs> Wendy, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background before we just go through every possible spelling <laughs> of the word women? Um, I have been working in the service industry for a little over two and a half years now. So I have some stories and a few opinions, I guess. I don't know. Just a few. Just a few. Just a couple. Well, we'd love to hear those opinions over the course of the next four or five hours, but... (laughs) That's right. We have a special quadruple length episode. (laughs) (laughs) Coming at you tonight. Strap in. I hope you got your adult diaper on. (laughs) (laughs) But Whitney, it's relatively customary here to ask guests about a crazy story that they may have from the service industry on top of perhaps just general opinions on things, but let's start with the crazy story. What is going on in your place of work? Do you want the craziest story I've ever experienced, which was kind of traumatizing, or what do you what do you want? Something that happened to me specifically, or a friend? Honestly, it's your call, but definitely something that happened to you, and definitely something mm-hmm. that is entertaining. So the most entertaining story that is also crazy. Uh, well, my mind automatically goes to the most traumatizing for me. I had a couple come in, and I could tell right off the bat that they were probably on drugs and definitely going to be a problem. Um, what gave away that they were on drugs? You could just tell they were testier. They seemed a little on edge, angry, and hmm, confrontational. Oh, no. They come in, and they order some starters and then from there he orders a drink his girlfriend about five minutes after they put these orders in orders a drink at the same time that they order their entrees and then uh throughout that experience they were getting frustrated with that their drink wasn't getting there on time even though they had just ordered it he was just upset that his wife didn't have anything to drink while he was drinking even though she ordered after him which was dumb because it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah no it sounds like someone who's on drugs uh and then i brought them their food out while they were still finishing up their salads because they were almost done he was done with his salad but she wasn't and so (laughs) that led to her yelling at me saying how dare you bring this out while i'm still eating this are you stupid um you actually get a how dare you Yes. That's pretty intense. <laughs> I think the how dare you is as bad as it gets. <laughs> um, 
How dare How you? How dare you do this? <laughs> this should have arrived 45 <laughs> seconds later. She was acting as if she was, one, in a fine dining establishment, and two, <laughs> definitely not on drugs. So what, uh, what type of what place kind of establishment? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what's the establishment This, this is a at? bar restaurant, so it's it's definitely a little a little better than most bar restaurants, I would say, but it's also not something you should have high expectations for. Um, and she was acting as if she was at a fine dining restaurant. I mean, I go there for exclusively nachos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I would say the vibe of your place is like semi-upscale, kind of classy. You're wearing mostly black when you work there, but it's not by any means like a, a, a fine fine dining establishment. Yeah. I would argue it's an upscale cocktail bar. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. saying the style of service is cocktailing. It is mm-hmm. not yeah full service, high volume low interaction with tables. Right. I would agree with that. Food that's good enough that you're not going to get too many complaints, <laughs> but it's not, nobody's going to like write home about it kind yeah. of thing, unless they're getting the nachos to cold cuts. Which point. I would write home about those nachos. They're very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we become famous and everyone Facebook stalks us, then we'll reveal what this restaurant is and you all should go try them. Yes. It will. Best nachos ever. But we're not famous yet. So, <laughs> protecting our our public identities. Until next week. <laughs> Until next week. Next week we'll be famous. We will. Yeah. We will gain fame. Um, so regardless, I go and put her food back. Uh, I take it away because she's not ready. And upon apologizing to her about bringing her food out too early, uh, she, I apologized and she said, I wasn't sorry. I shouldn't say I'm sorry. That that's disrespectful to apologize. Oh, no. And then I just kind of just stood there and kept saying, I'm sorry. And she like, just kept repeating that. And I just looked at her and I said, I don't, I don't know what to say to you then. <laughs> if you don't want me to apologize and I have no idea what you want from me, I'll just, I'll do what you asked and I'll put this back. And so we refired her food for her. Um, and she, she had told me not to bring her food out until she finished her very last bite of salad. And so I was keeping a watchful eye on her. Her That's husband, so weird. before she finishes her last bite, she has two bites left. And her husband, or boyfriend, I don't know, her coke dealer, who knows, um, <laughs> goes, oops, sorry, if you have to get that out. No. Uh, <laughs> goes and he's on the phone. And this is where I started getting confused because I couldn't tell if he was yelling at me or yelling at the person on the phone. But he starts screaming oh while God. he's on the phone. It's very strange. And... Then he just starts take picking up his plate and slamming it down, slamming glasses and just yelling and saying, why isn't my like, wife's, girl's, whatever, food gotten here yet? Why aren't you serving her? Just screaming and all eyes are on this situation, which is uh, very lovely. How busy uh, was the bar at this point? It was a Friday night at dinner rush so it was full was this patio or was this indoor seating indoors in the middle of the restaurant around the fireplace oh my oh yikes so uh that that was lovely and then he starts walking around the restaurant screaming and yelling and uh i tried to go over no actually that's a lie i did not go over i just kind of stood and realized wow i might get shanked and so my manager who'd been drinking at the bar at the time and was off she went over and started talking to them because uh, that's definitely what needed to happen in that situation. But there was no talking him down. And by the end of the night, we called the cops. And they just kind of kept slamming things around in the restaurant, screaming, uh, ruining everyone's experience. And then they left. Um, and Did then the when cops they... show up? No, the cops don't really listen. 
I've only, I've worked there for over two and a half years, and the cops have only showed up once, and they should have been there plenty of other times. That's crazy. It's just too many things to do in Seattle, you know? Yeah, cops don't deal with bar stuff, man. They just don't care. They just let drunk people do drunk stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Unless you say they have a weapon, mm-hmm. they won't come. Mm-hmm. You have to say, because they will specifically ask you on the phone, do they have a weapon? And if you say, I don't know, or no, they will not come. Or, or they'll come too late. Which brings us to our tip segment. Carry a weapon around, <laughs> probably like a dull night. Be like, hey, would you hold this, you crazy drunk asshole, for like five seconds? They're totally armed. All right, you can get that out. Dude, don't use this. I don't want you to hold it. Just the tip. Brought to you by Cold <laughs> Did they? How did they leave? Did they just decide to eventually leave, or? Uh, we forced them out. We paid for their food. Uh, and oh. he was just on the outside of the bar where all the windows are pounding aggressively up and down, oh. flipping us off. And then oh. we were pretty certain that like the uh, bottles of alcohol were gonna fall over because that's how aggressively oh. he was pounding. Oh. Man. man, this sounds like meth more than cocaine. Yeah, I'm yeah. I, I just wanted to kind of tone it down. Yeah. <laughs> I so didn't want to say he was on a heroin or meth, but probably not heroin. It exactly seemed not like heroin. it. <laughs> but also, eating that much on meth is impressive, too. We sound like such <laughs> Yeah, we, we can cut all of this out. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, that uh, is worse than anything I've experienced. So, oh my gosh. So he was complaining that his wife's food hadn't arrived after it had arrived. Yeah, so it had already arrived, and then she asked me to not bring it until she finished her salad, and then I was doing that, and he freaked out before she finished her salad. Oh, wow. So this is not a lot of time between these two things. Happening. Yeah, no, it was kind of, <laughs> like, either he wasn't listening to her, or he was just crazy on drugs and wanted that. It was just, it was really weird, because he wasn't making any sense. So I have a question. Did they did they end up paying for their meal? No, God no. Oh. No, we wanted them out. We kicked them out. What if this was just like an elaborate ruse to get all of that yeah. stuff for free? That sounds really elaborate. Super elaborate. Okay, but think about the lengths that meth people do things to get meth. <laughs> That's true. Mm. Right? They might have had some True. drug addled inspiration. I mean, I've wondered that too. Like, we spent I've had... our last five bucks on meth. How can we eat? Okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> and they hatch this elaborate meth-fueled plan. We're Let's just take freak, the meth. Freak out at everything. What and do you guys think about that, though? Like, I've had, I've had a couple... See, usually the people who freak out at me are 46-year-old single people. Mm. And like, they, like I've, I've had so many people like that demographic just lose it at me hmm. over, like... I specifically asked for blah, 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 and like... Interesting. You know, we, we pay for their food every single time as much as I want to be like, get out. And I wonder, is this like, is this a thing that works for them? Do they come in? Yeah. Because they usually are talkers at first. Oh, yeah. They usually talk you like, oh, well, I heard this, and they want you to pay so much attention to them. And they're like, I don't... Do you not know how this works, man? I'm not I'm not going to sit down by you and talk to you the whole time. Like, right. I'll talk to you a little bit, and then food shows up. Boom! I don't know. I think it just means they're needy. I do think, too, that there is a certain mentality that of of entitlement. And I do get that it's a service-based industry, so there's some degree that's okay with this. But I think some people, if there's, like, any one thing wrong about their dish, they see an opportunity. And that Mm -hmm. opportunity is the price of the entree right there. Yep. But do you think it's a... 
they're trying to get something free? Yes. Or do you think they're so just entitled and they just have so much pent-up whatever? Because I, I would tend to say that. Mm. I would tend to say these are just miserable people who vent their misery onto other people. But I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, are you, are, do you know that you're going to get free food? Is that, your, is that your scam? So I've definitely been like had people try to pull that scam on me. Um, the free food thing like they come in and they order a bunch of stuff and this is like I looked at this table and I was like there's no way you guys are gonna pay for this like I can just tell like the moment they sat down so I I did everything perfectly and they found a hair in the food no way and before this I'd gone to my manager and I said hey like I know these guys are gonna try and scam me like I just got this vibe like I know they're gonna try and take advantage of it they're ordering all this ridiculous stuff and they did so I just could tell right off the bat Wow. And then I've also had the situation happen where a woman came in, super nice, friendly, chatty, gets to the end of the, the the meal, the bar session. She was at the bar, and she had one little problem, and she just, like, laid it on me, just complained, yelled at me, and I was like, I'm sorry. I've done everything I can. I'm not going to get my manager for you. So, like, there's some people I think that are, like, yes, they want free stuff, and there's some people that's just, like, that one little camel, like, that hair that breaks the camel's back or whatever, yeah. straw. That's, that's that one little camel can break the camel's back. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. Wait, so in the, in the people who are trying to scam you, did they get away with it? They did. We we just went out and comped it because it was like not worth our time to try and fight them on. It, it was just one item. Exactly. It I was, hate that. It was man. literally everything was perfect. Like it was it was um, at that point it was a full service restaurant. So I got their drinks out, their salads out, their food out, all perfectly timed. Nothing was missed. They had a big order. It was like a hundred dollars worth of food and they found a hair and I was like, there it is, you know, like there's nothing wrong with my service. So they found, they made something up and I had previously told my manager they're going to do this. And then when they did, they were ready for it. So they just went out and like made it happen, but it's still super scummy. And like, phrase I learned in refereeing is that you just ask somebody when they're going like that, what do you hope to accomplish by doing this? Mm-hmm. And although it's a little too blunt to put this in, in a restaurant industry, you can phrase that other certain ways mm-hmm. that basically is like, Okay, let's get past whatever you're doing right now. Yeah, I'm not about. I'm not about to emotionally empathize with you. I've done everything professionally that I should. I've apologized. I've offered to do things for you. If you're continuing to do this, what are you trying to get accomplished here? What How you would you say that? How would you say if I was like going after you and be like, I ordered this with no onions and this came out with onions. I specifically told you that blah blah blah, and you've already apologized. And I'm going on and on about the onions. This never happened. That totally. I'm totally not drawing from real experiences. And you're like, oh blah 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 blah. Like, what are you gonna say? How are you gonna word it? Well, I would give them options of what we could do for them, of course, just naturally. And then after that, I would ask, what can I do to best make you happy in this situation? Normally, I'm in most of my experiences, it never gets that far. It never gets to the point where they're still yelling after something has been done for them that's very rare but in the instance it would be okay either <laughs> i have very said but i've i have said bluntly well it looks like i'm not going to be able to make you happy or it looks like this just isn't going to work out um <laughs> nice so because it's true um yeah but that was only in the cocktail bar that was not in the fine dining restaurant fine dining restaurant it's like oh you want me to pull my butt cheeks apart too (laughs) (laughs) sure (laughs) okay do people get mad in your the fine dining place um generally it's just people man you know people are are gonna find their reasons some people are cheap and i honestly think that ties into also being kind of miserable Mm -hmm. cheap cheap usually aren't happy people but with that said nah it's, it's a good crowd I think the fine dining crowd 
you get your people, this is the one thing I've experienced, you get the rich people who have this mentality, kind of like, imagine their social sphere is another dimension that exists alongside of our own, and like they can't perceive things outside of that dimension, and yeah. you have to like, operate and communicate as if you also live in that dimension, but I'm just a server who's 24, and wearing nice clothes and stuff, but I can't, I don't know what it's like to like, I don't know always order room service at a hotel or just you know, never have to fly economy class or something like that. I yeah. Mean, um, so that, but that, that's the main thing in a fine dining restaurant that I think is that like erudite quality. But beyond that, people are pretty chill. Most of the time they're chill. Yeah. Let's say 80% of restaurant interactions are good. Just off the bat. Well, for sure. On that note, since I'm talking, I'm going to keep talking. And this time I'm going to talk about segues. So, Segways are a two-wheeled vehicle that you We've done this bit. <laughs> I was just going to make fun of that. We did this already? I, I, I made a segue segue joke uh, in our previous episode. It was a good joke. And you know what else Can is not a good joke, but a good segment is our topic for tonight. That was a better segue. And still not great, though. And uh, It's episode four, guys. We have, give, us, uh, give us a few more episodes. We'll get those segues nailed down. Yeah. Would it pop tires, though, to nail down a Segway? That's right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, let's bring up the topic, which is featuring our first female guest on the podcast. We want to talk about sex biases in the industry, both pro and con, uh, talking about potential differences that female servers make over male servers, and concurrently, the amount of uh, sexism that female servers uh, would experience, female managers, whatever. Uh, and all of us... Although we feel quite feel qualified to answer, um, don't want to put our money where our mouth is. When in actuality, we have somebody who's much better equipped to provide a contrasting perspective, and that is our guest tonight, Whitney. Hey, Whit, what you got? Hi, Jeff. Um, hmm. I'd probably say the first thing that comes to mind was uh, one <laughs> one ex- interaction I had with a table was they asked me what my favorite thing on the menu was I told them and then he looked at me kind of did something weight like made a wave with his hand and then said ah what do you know you're a girl you don't eat a lot yikes mm. yikes <laughs> which That's I don't pretty rough yeah it was Jesus. just it was kind of funny because if he knew me he would know I eat more than uh, he probably does uh, <laughs> So that's why it was just so shocking, because anyone who knows me would have never said that. But since, to him, I just seemed like a small female, I guess. How often do you get comments like that? Um, that's the only one I've really experienced with food. Other times I've gotten, um, with alcohol, people will kind of uh, imply that I don't know anything about alcohol. Or, um, oh, why would you know? Ask the bartender. They'll, that's what they do a lot, is they'll insist that I ask the bartender about a question mm-hmm. that they have when I can just answer that. And they'll just keep insisting and insisting, uh, especially when it comes to mezcal. They'll be like, ask him what his favorite is. And I'm just like, well, I can mm-hmm. tell you what my favorite is. Would you like to know? Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting point, because I was going to say, like, you could argue that that's just for servers, but it's not, because at uh, the restaurant that I work at, the bar that I work at, that's happened multiple times to female bartenders, where they'll be like, oh, uh, did uh, he train you, asking a girl about the guy working behind the bar, and she's like, no, actually, I trained him. 
So, like, that's not just, like, a, oh, you're a server, ask the bartender. That's, like, a, oh, you're a girl, ask the dude behind the bar. I think that that applies. I, what's funny is I've had a few experiences this. Uh, the first three restaurants I worked at where I was perceived to be the manager within my first week of being mm-hmm. there hmm. by, by vendors or whatever. And they come in, you know, I'm 6'2", like, I guess I look authoritative or something. But it's literally on, in my first week when I'm just walking around maybe acting confident because I'm trying to make a good impression or something and just, yeah, are you the manager? Hell no. I'm like the opposite of the manager. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know how I got this it. job. <laughs> I've actually, even in one instance, there was, they knew who the manager was and the person came and asked me a question because they didn't like the manager's answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was a female manager though. Yeah, that's wow. a, it's a super real thing. Like I had a girl the other day come in and tell me that they were shutting down the street in front of the bar that I work at. And she was like, oh. let your manager know. I'm sure he'll be thankful. And I was like, yes, I'm sure she will. It's just an assumption thing. People make that assumption all the time. It's in their heads. Like, I don't know why people think that way, but we do. We've did been you, did you say that response? I did. I felt pretty good about it too. That's, I was like, that's, that's, I wouldn't give that lip. I didn't give her, it wasn't strong. Yeah, I only would. gave it to it because it was a girl saying that. You know, it's like you should stand up. Your, you should be better. You should know better, young lady. That's how I felt. And I'm gonna mansplain to you. Yeah, I'm differences gonna... between gender roles and perception. I also just did it because I could then tell the story to my manager, and she would love it, which she did. Uh, so it gave me some 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 bonus points. Okay. There was there was value there. Yeah, I suppose that I just. You know, so maybe they just said it. You know, maybe there wasn't any time I understand. <laughs> I understand. Like this one time I said thank you, sir, to a lady in the airport. And, you know, like it, like that shit doesn't really matter, but it happens. So That's true. Exactly. I understand. But also in that scenario, she is going around to all these establishments in the area. And so she has said that quite a few times. So she has put some thought into it, you know. So at that point in time, it's kind of just she's operating upon an assumption. Perhaps. It's, it's sad when slaves to the patriarchy have been brainwashed like that. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that jo- to jo- Joey's right. That's like a nitpicky thing. There's no sense in really being like, oh, excuse your pronouns to like some <laughs> random stranger that you'll never see again. <laughs> so that one was just was me having fun with it. Well, uh, I mean, let's go back to real sexism though. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk like real gender bias and inequality in the service industry, which is what I think we we were on track for here. Can we? Well, I have to interrupt the segment and say the Dodgers just took game one oh of the NLDS, 6-0, to zero, home victory. But yeah, talking about sexism. Cut the fuck out of that. Uh, oh, man. Fuck uh, sports. <laughs> okay, don't fuck sports, but fuck like, sports. on I, our restaurant yes. podcast. Are you going to woo it first? No, no. I'm just going to go right hey, in. Podcasts are about personality, okay? Yeah, This true. is a personality infusion. That's I do true. apologize for disrupting. I was, I was planning to do that the whole time, and it happened to be right there. So, uh, All right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's get back into let's get back into gender inequality inside of restaurants inside the service industry. So Whitney, your restaurant has a policy to only have female female <laughs> servers and almost exclusively male bartenders. That's that's true. That that is their actual company policy. That's yes. pretty true. Y- no, it's, yeah. it's it's very true. Entirely true. I've yeah, never seen a dude not working wrong. not behind the. They're bar not there. allowed. It's, yeah, it's not an observational thing. That is that is the company policy. So what's uh, the deal with that? So, our. One of the owners, uh, one of the owners truly genuinely believes, oh gosh, this is so sexist, uh, that, (laughs) that women should serve food and men should serve drinks because that's what they're best at. 
And so he doesn't like to see a woman behind his bar or a man out on the floor serving food. He just doesn't think that those are proper roles. And up until uh, one female server who wanted to be a bartender and had been a bartender in her past jobs um, threatened to sue, this did not change. Um, Yeah. That... That's probably the best example. Yeah, that's pretty bad right, yeah. there, right there. I mean, that's, that's like, so awful. Literal yeah. sexism. That's the heaviest, hardest thing like that I've heard of in the industry because other examples would just be like the, the one that you brought up of like ask the man behind the bar, yeah. which is from a customer's mm-hmm. standpoint. But that's an owner. This is an owner. That's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a story about this from today. I was talking to a coworker of mine and at my fine dining restaurant. The owners certainly prefer an aesthetic for their servers, mm. especially their cocktail servers. Mm-hmm. And yep. Yep. I was talking to a female co- or female denied cocktail server who just became a regular server, and she told me that she didn't look the part, quote unquote, yep. to what they were looking for. And she, they didn't say that to her, but that's what she, that's what the hearsay effectively was. And um, being that the owners of the establishment are very old world in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. You, you look at hiring patterns. Yeah. I mean, look at hiring patterns across the whole service industry, you know? Mm-hmm. It's entirely true. Um, I'm assuming that all of your restaurants you guys work at are owned by boomers, most likely. Yeah. Same for me. And we hired a girl um, who works at this hipstery cocktail bar that I work at, and she's a, she's a bit bigger. Doesn't quite fit the ideal image of, like, a, like a hipster bar. Kind of bar thing. Yeah, exactly. And the owner was upset that we hired a very competent bigger girl to work at his place because she didn't fit the image and this is coming from all these people that we're talking about are from the same kind of era that have these same ideals as far as like how service should go damn and, and they're what like, sells yeah exactly and what's yeah. sad is that they're right i mean i've certainly i mean the 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 thought process has logic behind it it's yeah. not a morally right thought process but right. i certainly know many groups of guys they're like oh yeah this bar has so many hot chicks Let's go there. And it is the choice whether business goes there for that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's Metallica an Metallica old... once said, sad but true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's an old mentality too. Like sex sells. It does sell. Mm-hmm. Like if you have someone that's attractive, that's handing you your stuff, you're more likely to have a good time with it. Yeah. And I mean, there's a reason the cast of the Avengers looks like they do. <laughs> like, you know? Because they're superheroes that just save yeah, the because world. They have... can only be yeah. good looking to save the world. Right. Yeah. Clearly. As we all know. Yeah. I mean, there's literally a chain called Hooters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is That's boobs. <laughs> where, where they go around. I'm So I watched a segment on Hooters. It used to be so bad. I'm not sure if they still do this, but they would have weekly checks on body, just everything about mm. your body. They would do a, a body check. They would have all the women servers line up, which, I mean, it was everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They'd have all the women's servers line up. You'd put your hands out. They would check your fingernails to make sure they were properly done how you want it to. They'd check your hair. They'd tell if you gained weight. They would comment on anything and everything. And it's just, it's bad. Well, to speak to that, when you get hired at Hooters and other restaurant establishments, there's a restaurant chain in Seattle called Joey. Um, When you're hired there, you're hired as a model. You're not hired as a server. So you actually, they in your contract, in your clauses, they say you have to upkeep a certain image. And if you fall below that standard, you can lose your job. So that's that's where that comes from. That's why they're allowed to do that terrible, terrible stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. It's all a legal term. Yeah, that's exactly. how. Yeah, because the, the job definition is different. So different exactly. laws applies to it. To Hollister's. Hollister's. You're, you're a model. Yeah, exactly. You're not a, yeah. 
Is that why you got fired from there? I didn't get fired from Hall <laughs> Street. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I gained five pounds. <laughs> and they whipped me. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of the scene, and I think it's in Ocean's 13, where the, the wife is talking to the server, and she grabs her arm fat and wiggles. Yeah. Like, That's too thick. You're done. Oh. Get out of here. Oh but then especially in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. No, so, it's the well, cougar. It's the... It's the cougar that Matt Damon hooks up with in the end, who, like, runs everything and makes sure everybody's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to say one story. So when I first got... Not first got hired. Uh, when I had been two months in uh, at the restaurant that I work at, there had been a busser that worked there three months or four months longer than I had. And management talked to me about getting moved up. First, they talked to me. They're like, okay, you're ready to be a server now. We're going to move you up. We're going to start doing your introduction into this. And he had a conversation with them. <laughs> and this is where this first got heavily highlighted. Uh, and they told him, sorry, you don't look the part. Mm. Quote, unquote. Uh, but you can go the bartending route if you would like. They offered him that but refused because, I mean, he didn't threaten to sue refused to give him an opportunity to be a server, which I, I thought that was really weird. I mean... That is weird. What do you, so, what's the resolution to this? Um, because I, I think culturally we're going to have to get to a place, because this isn't just this industry, but it's existing. I mean, attractiveness privilege is, is a privilege just like anything else. Um, and ultimately, places that decide to not hired based on attractiveness only are probably going to lose that business to places that do. I suppose I would say that honestly just tough like it should be worth it to do the right thing and then hopefully your other virtues of your business will help get you get you to make money but mm-hmm. Joey Kitchen like you were mentioning that place is a fucking a poppin all the time. Mm-hmm. All the fucking time because yep. it's a cool young place for cool kids to go to and as everyone who works there looks attractive. It's beyond that, too, because they get... Every professional athlete in Seattle has been in Joey Kitchen at one what? time or the other. It's true. Yeah, it's like it's, the Seahawks favorite place. It's like oh, in, shit, in Bellevue, like it's, like... it's like their casual dining American food place to go. Because the food is pretty good. And they have a pretty... like it's They have a lot of... Spot. They have a ton of money behind what they're doing, and they build their image so strong, and they only hire girls that are very attractive. Like, to work at Joey, you have to be very attractive. And so they they make their money doing what they do, and they're just making a lot of money off of like old school sexism, damn, and sex selling. Think I've ever been there. Me neither. Passable. <laughs> it's very passable. Um, you just go to literally any other American kitchen, and uh, you'll have a good time. Been there, yeah. I, mean, I think ultimately, we're kind of you know servers. Everybody who works in the industry is caught between their two masters who are the most entitled people on the planet, which are customers because, mm. you know, they're paying for this food and they're paying for the experience. And like we've said before, they're sort of paying to shut their brain off when they walk in the door. Yep. And if, and then at the other, then our other masters, the people who own, I don't know if I'm allowed to say master. That might be weird. I thought you were going to say the other master is yourself and you're just trying to make as much, but Nah, the other one is like, we're also beholden to the people who own the restaurant and their mindset, like, this is my restaurant and... They're an employer. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, everybody that we work for is so entitled Mm -hmm. and we're just 
tools to them that I don't know. Like I think that's like the deep down mindset is you know you want as much as you want the new iPhone, you want the newest, best looking young people working there and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's true. It's a it's kind of like a vicious machine machine that like recycles people and lives uh, in a way, and it's getting way too heavy right now. Um, Honestly, I hope that we could phase into something more progressive. Yeah. And speaking of that, we're going to talk about our word of the day, word of the week, word of the episode, however long this episode airs before we make another one. That might and have that, been the best transition that we've done right there. Was, yeah, was we're getting better. Solid. And that word is phased. You are phased. You are cut. You get the snippety snip. What does that mean, guys and girl? Phased. Um... Phased. That is a magical. Doesn't know. <laughs> that is a magical, magical, magical world word in the restaurant industry. When you hear you're phased, that's beautiful. That means that you can start doing what you have to do to get the fuck out. Um, there's different ways to say it too. Joey said cut. That's a common one. Um, but what does that mean for you guys? What? Do you, when, 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 yeah. Let's talk about the literal definition, which means that as a server, mm-hmm. you do not take any more guests. You right, finish right. out the guests that you have, but from that moment on, you will not be given a new customer experience. Right, that's where I was going with what that means for everyone's individual uh, restaurant, because it's, it's probably different, like, based on, like, the restaurant or, like, the bar that you're working in. It's, it's similar, but, like, when you're, when you're phased, Whitney, or when you're cut, what does that mean for you? Uh, for me, phased... I mean, we have a certain list of things we have to do dependent dependent upon uh, which time you clocked in. So to hear the word phase doesn't mean that that's when you can start it because you could have been doing that throughout your shift uh, to go through your phasing process a lot quicker and to get out of there a lot quicker. It just, yeah, means you're not taking any more tables, finish those out, finish up whatever you have left and make sure the closer is set up to properly do their job at the end of the night and so they can also uh, just run smoothly. So what does it mean for your restaurant, Cold Cut, to be phased? Uh, same thing. We usually have like a, a split up the side work. It's different for bartenders. All the servers, like we said, will stop taking tables, knock your side work out, and then get out of here uh, on occasion. They'll get roped back in, get a little pop, and then they'll get unfazed. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure is the worst thing that can happen on planet Earth. I call that a soft phase. That's, oh. Well, well no, because, because depending on the establishment, for example, at the cocktail bar I worked at, yeah. I mean, we weren't just chronically understaffed. We should just call it staff because that was the norm, is that there were not enough people on. And so out of either the goodness of our hearts or because we were friends and we're loyal to each other, we said, hey, it's just you, just you in this, like, 20-table restaurant. If it so happens to fill up, which could happen, I'm not just going to say, see ya, good luck with that, motherfucker. I'm going to stick around and at least support you in what ways that I can. Yeah. And that, I believe, is a good thing, but I would soft-face people when I was the closer because I knew that there was such a likelihood that that would happen and that... At the very least, an extra hand is so useful. Now, some people take offense to that. I think they're entitled because they're like, well, I'm working and I'm running around doing stuff and I'm not making any money off tables. Fuck you, okay? God damn it. Serving is such a cushy gig. Yeah, you still make an hourly wage that beats most of the country. And you got to suck it up and make hourly for a couple hours so you can make bank on your good hours. Like, you're... Making bank off of the busy hours is your privilege that you right. earn 
by doing dick for 45 minutes <laughs> and making $11 an hour. I actually had a girl, a, a female coworker once who I had phased her. It filled up. I asked her to help run some food and to just stay for a little bit longer to help me out. I'm not talking any more than 10 or 15 minutes. Nothing more than she that. She didn't say 15 minutes? I, she did stay, but at, apparently she went around and told all of our coworkers that she felt I abused it and she deserved to be tipped out. That's how it as, works, though. As a busser. That's Restaurants rough. are the biggest rumor mills on the planet. Yeah. yeah. You deserve to be tipped out for helping me mm, for right. 10 minutes? That's a, Gosh, I'm getting too philosophical, but that is my main problem with the entitlement associated with the service industry is that everything you're there and doing, you feel like, I need to be exactly compensated for this. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. There's just no goodwill in the effort. Everyone shows up there and is like, hey, where's my money? If I'm not there, I would money, say as a counter to that, time. usually I try to have the mindset of we're all on the same team, we're all in the same boat, we got to plug all the holes together, we have to stay afloat together. Mm-hmm. But if that's your exclusive mindset, you're going to get taken advantage of because... Yeah at the top they do not care about you yes. and they yeah. would they would kick you to the curb and get somebody else sure there's no loyalty between employer or employee either way no, no doubt about mm-hmm. that but, but ultimately at least, I mean at least in most places there's some places that are exceptions but ultimately that's not like everyday occurrence you know like in the in the event that that happens to you I don't know even honestly even if I wasn't making anything I just feel like that's helping another person out and that's worth 15 minutes of my time right? if I'm already there Exactly. Let alone, do you really want to watch somebody you care about? Even if you don't care about them, do you want to watch somebody struggle? Yeah. And know you could have stopped that. Exactly. Not at all. For sure. So I'll talk to you guys about how, like, the phasing, it's not even phasing, how, like, the the shift transition works for the restaurant that I work in, for the bar. Um, I'm scheduled to be on at 9 o'clock p.m., but I get there at 8.30 every shift, and I get a cup of coffee. I see what's going on. If they seem overwhelmed... I jump behind the bar right away, help them out, clock in. If not, I go have my cup of coffee out front, come back in, clock in around 8.45, 8.50, let them finish out their tab- their their checks, their tables, and then I start my job. And that's just like the general, like, how people do it at the bar that I work at because we understand that that is a rough transition time. And so, like, the more that you can help someone out, like, the better it is for everyone involved. And you're also making money earlier, you know? Because we do a tip pool for like our our general tips, so like I'm uh, I'm making money the second that I clock in, so that's how the phasing works. Where I, I think if you truly had a work ethic, you would have the attitude that hourly is money, yeah. you know. And the more you're working on that, that like if even it's six dollars, that is six dollars more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's not like hard labor, you know. If you're just running support, all you have to do is not have to deal with anybody and just mindlessly like move food from one place to another. Yeah, it's not that freaking hard. I will say, (laughs) if you're the next bartender and you're taking your sweet time, die, man, (laughs) die, die, just die. Okay, yeah, yeah. I one time, I, the guy who was replacing me, I can't even get to it. I can't even (laughs) like. He got. He was supposed to start at two. He showed up at two forty-five. Mm. I left at four forty-five. Oh my god! I, ne- I like, and the worst thing too was like, I had to tell him like, come and do your job yeah. because people are staring at me. And someone got super pissed at me. I was like, I was trying to like cash out, count my bank, and I knew there was this customer just staring at the back of my head. And so I turned around. I was like, 
hey, has anyone talked to you yet? And they're like, actually, no. And I was oh. like, actually, I don't care at all. But <laughs> I had to just, like, take his customer for him and do all this shit. And I, oh, man. And then I went and told him, I was like, dude, you need to start taking customers and doing your job because I'm not going to get out of here for, like, three hours if you don't. And he's like, oh, calm down, buddy. Did you think I forgot about you? And I was like, yes, I did. Yeah. That is exactly what I thought. That, those are the things yeah. that I thought. What was he doing when he wasn't He ordered to- food. He ate food. He sat at a table. Oh no! He went into the what? back. I, I do not know how this person was. This, fired. This, no, this is. Uh. Yeah. He sat at a table, so he used up space for a customer. Yeah. And additionally, he ordered food as soon as he clocked in after he had clocked in late. late. Yeah. Yeah. So That's... how entitled is this guy? I don't know. <laughs> and also, how bad is your management system that kind of shit falls through the cracks? He's a manager. He was like half oh. manager, half bartender. <laughs> there was another Jesus. manager there, though. That's the other thing, too. Uh. Is after he was done doing all this other shit, he went and started doing manager stuff. Like, he was hosting, even though we had a host and a manager. He was just okay. wandering around the restaurant, and I was like, dude, I'm going yeah. to leave. See, that's the and sign. I did. I quit. That's the <laughs> sign, yeah. I was going to say, like, the reason why I come in early for my, my restaurant family is because I like them. Yeah. And they help me out all the time. But when people do shit like that to you, you leave, them, leave them behind. Cut that cord. Cut that cord. Speaking so, of cutting cords. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanna, can I do my second Yeah, too? oh, sorry, sorry, this sorry. Is, I was going to say this after you said die to the person, but speaking of dying and things <laughs> that make you want to do it, recently we also had a Oh, my. Cutting the cord is a better segue. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fine. Speaking no, of segues and uh, <laughs> serving on segues, uh... <laughs> Um, do you want to do one with me? Uh, what are we going into? Sobriety. Oh, cutting the cord. <laughs> that was better. So, speaking of cutting the cord, recently, Joni and I decided to take 40 days off of all substances. Something that we talked about briefly, I believe, on our last podcast. Episode 2. Episode 2, yeah, yeah. So, two casts ago. And here we are. We're well past that that finish finish line, and we're um we're kind of just gonna like talk a little bit, riff on the results. Um, Does that mean that you w- were able to drink at night since you only took forty days off? Ooh, <laughs> it's a good specification. Uh, yeah, well, we did also <laughs> specify forty days and forty nights, just like uh, in the Bible. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Yeah. So Joey, um, why don't you talk about your end of things real quick? I know you went through some temptations, some mm-hmm. some trials. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So, I I gave in the main the main purpose of this sobriety was alcohol. I made it thirty six days. I cracked on the eve of day thirty six with a bottle of Camus Special Select, which is a three hundred and twenty dollar bottle of wine, and goddamn was it fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, props to Wallace. Wallace actually came over and was hanging out that night and still resisted the temptation and made it the full forty. So I only did nine tenths of the race. Wallace actually got the the final leg in there, um, but I also, and admittedly, uh, partook in some marijuana substances prior to that that event occurring. Um, so technically, that was my loss of the bet. But for the main purpose of the bet, it was thirty six days. Now, onto the the results and the observations. That was extremely difficult, and I say the biggest difficulty was being in a culture that consumes alcohol very regularly, mm-hmm. especially our age especially our generation, and especially our industry. All of those things combined for just, like, what do you want to do for fun? Go out and have tequila shots at the bar across the street? Like, that's (laughs) (laughs) kind of the norm. One of the 75,000 bars in Seattle. Right. (laughs) Or maybe one of the ones where we know 
the bartenders and they can hook it up for us because which is the best thing it is yeah the hookups are real mm-hmm. um yeah it's tough joey i agree with you on that one what was hard for me is like working in the bar where i work now where drinking behind the bar around the bar before and after the bar is just the norm so i was missing out on 40 days of kind of just hanging out with my coworkers because there's never really a just a hey let's go to book club it's just not nice. just drink that club drink. soda. Yeah. yeah, just sit down. You, you feel drink more drink some soda water and you hang out. Doesn't have yeah yeah. It, it has. Takes... Soda water is disgusting, and I'm going to use a rant in the future on no, how it's disgusting not. soda water is. No, it is gross. the absolute worst thing oh on the planet. Soda water is gross unless you have cranberry juice. It's gross. Soda Anyways. water tastes like metal shavings. But it, yeah, on the on okay. top of that, on top on top of that, we'll future, come back to the future we'll topic. Feel attacked. Future topic. You should. You should. So on top of that future topic. I, I think uh, as well, as much as you may want to be the sober person in a group of people who are drinking, it is you're you're missing out on something because you are not on the same wavelength as the rest yeah. of those people, and it it takes, I believe, two force of will and like concentrated focus and charisma. In the people around you, to to get that, like you have to be dialed in to the social situation yeah. of people around you, and have realized that progressively those people are going to be less and less dialed in to everything around them. Mm-hmm. I think we all agree that people who know about alcohol are cool, and it's cool to be able to talk about what you're tasting and describe it and like know things. Mm-hmm. And like one of my favorite things about working in restaurants is just being able to sit down with a bunch of people who know a lot of what they're talking about and like try different things pass them around, you know, and, like, compare, talk about things that we like. It's it's the best. It's the coolest. And I definitely can imagine that would be really difficult to just be like, see you guys, like, have fun drinking. Yeah. I went to one work event at a bar where literally all of my coworkers were there. Everyone was drinking but me. And it sucked. I left at 11 kind of thing. And I'm sure they were there till like, almost 2 in the morning, some of them. Um, and it's just like, that was what Joey was saying. Like, that's a very disciplined kind of moment where it's like, yeah, I am not going to do this. I can't. And I got to leave early too, so that I don't, you know, get swept up in that trap of staying and right. drinking. Nothing good happens after midnight. That's that true. That's such a true statement. It's true. That's a lie. I mean, my favorite memories happen between 12 and 3. I thought it was 2 a.m. So. I thought the How I Met Your Mother quote is 2 a.m. It's 12. Oh, it is? Oh, I think it's archaic. Why? Regardless, it was a, it's like a wife's tale quote before it was yeah. a how I met your mother quote. It's not sexist. and um, It's a wives. term that the patriarchy created. Wives' tales. Um, that was back when women had tales. Um, <laughs> that was actually back to when the only thing women could talk about no. was advice. <laughs> okay. That's funny. I mean, did people, what's, the, what, what's the drinking culture like in your restaurant? Um, oh, yeah. Alcoholism. <laughs> One girl does not drink. She, uh, gosh, I don't know if she's a year or two years sober, hmm. but uh, she has an interesting background, so she just straight up doesn't drink. She still goes to all of our uh, tequila tastings, because um, we have those maybe, I would probably say once a month within the past four months is what we've been going on, uh, which is nice, and so she'll go and she'll smell. Hmm. And, I mean, this is obviously still hard for her, and she's still... She doesn't spit? Uh, no, no, no. She, yeah. she sniffs it, awful. and she says, quote, unquote, smells like regret and shame, and puts it down. <laughs> Spoken like someone who wow. knows firsthand. So, it's it's really funny. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I'm not really inclined to 
drink at work or drink with my coworkers or I mean I don't sometimes if I choose to sit down at the bar after work and grab a drink and it just so happens somebody else did too cool okay but it's never like if I just wanted to hang out with one of my, one of them at, afterwards I'd just sit down or maybe not grab a drink but oftentimes the only time I do that is when I need a drink you guys also isn't that often don't really drink on the clock ever right uh, no uh exceptions being uh new year's and one out of the last three Cinco de miles wow, wow you do not drink on the clock if you do your name is and you get fired for it That's because crazy. you're an alcoholic huh. who doesn't pay attention to your ticket times and talks to your what was the customers last, what was for the 20 last minutes name there? huh what was the last name there <laughs> oh uh, you can find him at Shelter, or... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, you can. Oh, shit. <laughs> shelter Fuck you, he's on You go down, bitch. Shelter sucks <laughs> so hard. If you're listening, Shelter, shelter you have no aesthetic. You're so generic and boring. Yeah. I don't and even... you have alcohol. You wish you were my bar. It's true. <laughs> Which is the library. Just like <laughs> back in. The I'm, library. I'm not kidding. This guy was... No, oh, sorry. That's, that's the library. Oh, because oh, it's the library. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Maybe you listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Uh, no, but he was so drunk on the job that he would just talk to customers and that would be it. So I would be bringing in tickets and one was up there for 20 minutes. It was a beer and a shot. And I tried to get his attention and he kept ignoring me, not paying attention. And then I just went back there, poured myself a shot, poured a beer, and then he proceeded to get pissed at me. He got so pissed off that I went behind his bar and did his job. And I'm just like, one, I'm helping you out. Two, pay attention. Three, I tried to get your attention, so why are you pissed? And he was just drunk and kept getting pissed. So This is a bartender, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's where that's where the problems always happen. with you. When you have free access to a bar and you have a drinking problem, like... You guys can do the math. It's like when anyone besides Frodo gets the ring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That is so bad. Or is that power resistible? Yeah. <laughs> What's your, didn't Sam get the ring for a sec? Um, and Frodo got real pissed. He just did. like yeah. bartenders exactly. get pissed when you come behind their bar. Very. <laughs> that's a solid analogy. That's I honestly amazing. learning to not get pissed when people came behind the bar was real tough for me because yeah. we were just chronically understaffed and I would constantly get swamped like just so unbelievably in the weeds. And, like, a couple people who knew what they were doing would come back and help me out. And my first response would be, like, get out of here. This is my job. I'm going to do my job. But you got to let go of that. You got to just let go and let everybody help. So, speaking of letting go. We can't let every transition have the word. So Speaking speaking of. of. (laughs) So, why can't we? (laughs) Who made that rule? Uh, Because it's repetitive. And gets old quickly, and you're on episode While four. we're on the topic of drinking on the job. Hey, ready for this? Um, let me show you how... In, uh, how. I'm going to just stop talking. Let me yeah. show you how transitions are done. You so now you guys now you guys uh, can drink again. You want to take some shitty wine? That's how you do a segue. That was pretty good. Forget the part where I said the wrong words a lot. <laughs> or didn't speak. That was really good. Um, yes is the answer to that question. Yes. Let's do it. The wine we're tasting is Charles Shaw. Esteemedly known in most circles as Two Buck Chuck. Originally listed in store prices for $1.99. It's a true story, which is why it got that name. However, this price has inflated up to $2.99. $2.99 Buck Chuck does not sound as good. 150% increase. The economics of this are simply terrible. 150% increase. 
Yes, you're right. And uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool. Math is hard. And especially I'll drink yeah. Point being that two buck chuck is perhaps the most infamous of cheap wines in the world, and <laughs> perhaps in America. People we're like gonna it. try it out. So we have the Cabernet Sauvignon of two buck chuck, and I'm just gonna pass this one on over. I want to give everybody the opportunity to taste it, give some reactions, and then I'll give a formal review if we have time or if we want to hear that. Get my nose in there. Podcasters, yeah. you can hear all the sipping, the smelling. A lot of tannins. Swishing. A lot of tannins on the nose. <sighs> smells like alcohol. Oh, but very inviting. Hmm. A little bit dry. Does it invite you for another taste? It does. It says, come on in. Don't be a stranger. All right. Mine says chub. Just, you know, <laughs> Wallace was looking into his wine glass as he said that. He was actually talking to it. Yeah. <laughs> the coldest of cuts. What's your take? Honestly, if I just drank this, I would never have guessed the bottle was three bucks. Right? It tastes pretty good. It's I'm getting a little acidity. I mean, it's not incredible. It's not super complex. A little bit of. All right. So I mean, yeah. Was that black currant? <laughs> black currant, <laughs> leather. Um, no, dude, it's got some strong legs. Like if you look at the legs, the legs are pretty good. Um, I say the tannins are, are decent, but they're balanced, and it is fairly dry on the finish. That's how I feel about this wine. It's not a very juicy cab. It's pretty dry. When you said strong legs, I was comparing in my head strong really? legs to an athlete or to a horse. I think it's how dry strong? for a cab. Do you not? These are like high school <laughs> track runners. There's legs. a little bit of dry in there, but I don't. I don't think. I think a lot. I've, of, I've tasted yeah. many cabs that are drier than this. I yeah. should say. You pretty much exclusively drink Italian caps, though. Not necessarily. I mean, being from California, California cabs. California cabs. That's true. I drink a lot of Washington cabs, and Washington does not make dry wine whatsoever. All the wine from up here is juicy and dark and heavy. This is this is dry. Rain. Yes. (laughs) Comparative to Washington Cabernet, this is dry. It's not crazy dry, but it's pretty dry. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's just overall pretty just middle of the road yeah like yeah. there's i can't find anything wrong with it it's yeah. not incredible or delicious but it costs three dollars right i mean i would pay like five or six bucks for a glass of this it's not bad yeah 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 in a restaurant for yeah. sure mm-hmm. i would i would pay like eight to nine dollars for a bottle of this like and feel like i was getting a decently good deal for what it's worth cabernets are typically supposed to embottle flavors like vanilla and uh, dark cassis and I actually can taste vanilla in this. What's cassis? Cassis. Cassis, yeah. Oh, that was just me reading off a computer and not knowing what I was talking about. You don't think so... I was talking about it? <laughs> Should I? Yeah, I don't know. No, don't. Authenticity. What's cassis? Cassis is like a blackberry liqueur. Uh, it's a sp- oh, okay. sweet liqueur. I can taste that. It's delicious. So here's here's something that's very interesting about the processing of two-buck chug. So if you'll notice on the front of the bottle, it says 2014 California. Yeah. If this were from, like, Napa Valley or one of the famous wineries, it would say 2014 Napa on the Mm. front. Now, if you look on the back, it says Napa and Sonoma. Here's the reason why it's on the back and not on the front. They are not legally allowed to put Napa or Sonoma on the front if the grapes were not grown there. However... You can take cheaper grapes from elsewhere in the state, hence 2014 California, send them to Napa or Sonoma, oh, and no. they will blend them for wow. you. They will blend them for you. But there's something to say for that. It's not like Napa and Sonoma don't know how to blend wines. Even if it's not their premium motherfucking grapes, 
or whatever, you're still getting that type of artisan viticulture. What's what's viticulture? Viticulture is it really viticulture? Yeah, viticulture is like the culture around wine, but like um, I actually don't know the word. We can get into this. Regardless, people who know how to make wine are making this out of cheap grapes. Interesting. So you're getting high processing, low content, effectively. So when you say cheap grapes, do you mean young vines? No, just a cheaper winery. You know, uh, uh, grapes grown in Napa, I imagine, are pretty high-end. Because it's, yeah, it's got the climate, it's got the renown, it's got just the, the freshness of Napa. But it is better. It's a better wine culture than other places in California where these other grapes are probably grown. That's very interesting. Wine culture? What do you mean by that? Wine culture? Do we want to give it a grade? We should rate oh, yeah. this real quick. Rating. Also, Whitney hasn't weighed in at all. What do you think about the wine? Just like red wine. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true tequila bar. Okay, server. that is the ultimate transition <laughs> to what we're going to talk about. Seriously. Okay. That's screw, true. Screw the rating. Yeah, we can rate it, it later. So, so, effectively, what we were talking about earlier to you, non- pop, to you listeners who weren't here in this room earlier, um, <laughs> is... Everyone. Is wine culture. Is, is wine it cul- all bullshit? Is, is wine culture bullshit is the question. Basically saying that, okay, within the confines of wine culture... You have sets of criteria, different analytical tools to by which you can measure how wine tastes, and it's super nuanced. And at the highest levels, you're talking about millions and millions of different uh, factorial inputs here, and that is really crazy to think about the the vast wealth of knowledge that is within wine culture. People study for years and years and years to be sommeliers, but if you take a step back and reduce it just a little bit. I think you might have what Whitney's presenting here, which is that it all tastes like red wine. Yes. And so, what's your opinion on that, guys? Uh, this might be because as of right now in this moment in time, I prefer red over white. But I, before this podcast started, had a fifty. I had a glass of a fifty-dollar bottle of white, and right now I'm drinking a three-dollar bottle of red. And the red's better. And I actually kind of think the red's better. You're right. <laughs> That's yeah. what's so interesting to me is, like, if you sold me this, if I was at a bar and I ordered, like, their house red and they brought me this and I spent, like, nine bucks on it, I'd probably be like, oh, nine bucks, but I wouldn't really, I wouldn't know any better. And I, I mean, I don't know a lot about wine, but I sold a lot of it and I know a decent amount and I could not tell you that this was a $3 bottle. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. If it was a blind taste test, I would not have, would not have pinned this as too much. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, I don't think any of us could have blind taste tested this, and I don't even know if people who knew what they're talking about could. Maybe we could bring this back up with someone. All right. So I'm gonna break this. I'm gonna bring this back to what Joey was saying about this whole like culture of like wine people that can taste the grapes from this certain region. Blah 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 blah. blah. I think there is kind of a science and like a certain level of, like, dialed-in history knowledge that the people that go to that level of sommelier knowledge can get. I watched this movie. I think it's just called Sommelier. Som. It's amazing. Som. Som. S-O-M. S-O-M. Amazing. If you're interested yeah, in this at all, movie. watch it. It will give you a different perspective on wine. But just going back from what I learned from that movie, you can... There are people that are, like, savant level with wine, and they will be able to tell you all sorts of, of shit. And I'm sure if they sat down and had this two-buck chuck, three-buck chuck, whatever... They would say, oh, yeah, this is, like, blah, blah, blah. It was processed in Napa, but it's not from Napa, whatever. And they, they know would in- instantly vomit all over the place. Yeah, and they'd be like, this is not this is not what I'm used to. And these people are making, like, 400000 to, like, a million dollars a year doing what they Ooh. do. And th- that's why I say it's, like, savant level. 
I'm serious. I think that Sommeliers we know. Make that much money I think that, that we works. know it's real. Like that there is enough information and nuance to it. Like I'm not saying that sommeliers are bullshitters. I I'm not saying that at all. Like that's totally valid. But it's sort of just the question of at the end of the day, what percentage of people are just like, mm. yeah, it's red. And I would say it's so many people. Oh, it's I'm like barely 80, 80%, out of that category. Yeah, probably eighty percent or more that are just like red, white. Yeah, I like red. Especially in America, America is not mm. a wine culture. You're very America right. is a multifaceted alcohol culture. Unless you're in like Napa in California, unless you're in like a wine region, <laughs> then you're gonna have to like know more about wine, right? I grew up. You just raise your hand. Yeah, I you did. guys can't see this, but I Whitney just raised, raised her hand. hand. I just want you guys to know that I just have triggered to me say. from so many tables I served. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> Probably don't want to like talk to me or look at me or come my way now. Uh, no, I'm from a wine country in California. It's called Temecula. It has over 120 wineries at this point in time, and it's it has a good... Oh, gosh. The reason why it's good to grow vines in Temecula is because where it's located, there's a good ocean wind that comes from that from the west, and so it just... It's, it's a really good environment for wines, and so I, I should technically know a lot more about wine than I do, but guess what? <laughs> You know it tastes good. I know it tastes good. <laughs> well, you know what, I can tell you if it's good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that's just because I have a poor sense of smell, and so my taste is also hindered by that. And I can't go as far as other people could because my smell sucks. I'm from the moonshine capital of the world in Virginia, and I can't tell you dick about moonshine. So I don't think that where you're from <laughs> bases any of your, your knowledge on what it's known for. <laughs> but this wine is pretty good. Yeah. So if I may offer, so this is kind of my counterpoint to all of this. I think that if you reduce it even farther and say that every field of study in the whole world has a certain level of depth and complexity, mm. you can also reduce anything like that. I love football. I love studying sports. I love studying all of that. Well, if you reduce it, oh, it's just a dude hitting a ball. It's just people crashing into each other. It's just people turning left on a trackway. Yeah, at the reduced reductionist perspective, that is true. But... When you get into the nuance of, of realizing people have been working at this for hundreds and hundreds, in some cases, thousands of years, it's not like they just did the same thing the whole time and figured out the secret formula. No, they're constantly improving. They're constantly expanding their knowledge bases. And I think this has to deal with the depth versus breadth of knowledge argument with most things. And you can get really deep into wine culture. There is mm -hmm. that much variety based on the terroir of regions, T-E-R-R-O-I-R, -R -R. listeners, go look that word up. Um, and <laughs> That can be our word of the week in like three years. Yeah. <laughs> we run out of real words. <laughs> terroir, we gotta like dip into like other terroir. languages. You never heard that word? I know though, I Ter watched some, dude. Terroir, do you I know what it means? Bruh, yeah he does, he's a bartender. Flip Bruh. yeah, dude at a cocktail bar. What does it mean? It means the impact of the regional factors on the flavor of the wine. Thanks, Wallace. It's ta tasting <clears throat> tasting the geography, basically. We had this wine at the bar I used, used to work at that uh, they, they aged it in open barrels on the Olympic Peninsula, and it Ooh. tasted super weird. But yeah, it was, it was sure. pretty good. But like you, you could like taste that it was exposed to the ocean oh, air. So interesting. Super interesting. All right, guys, I just want to, sorry, I want to wrap this off my new topic up real quick just by asking, I think this is like how we should finish off how we feel about wine culture. Um, does it matter to you more about the history of the wine, like what it's supposed to taste like, 
the price you pay for it, or how does it taste? Like, what do you think is more important to you in buying a wine? Would you rather say, yeah, I spent $50, it's dry, it's like, oh, it's from the Chianti region. Or would you rather be like, yeah, I spent 10 bucks, it's delicious, I love it. What do you think? What's more important to you? Based on the way I structure my life values, the second one, am I enjoying this? Now, conversely, if I'm at a restaurant and I'm looking at the wine list, I don't want to, for whatever reason, I don't want to get the $9 wine. I want to get the $11 wine or whatever. I want to get like the second or third cheapest one because I feel like I'm just fucking myself if I get the cheapest one, which is probably super illogical, you know? Like... All of those wines within the 9 to $15 range or whatever probably pretty much taste the same unless you have a really crappy cheap house wine. Yeah. And it's so arbitrarily inflated. Yeah, that's true. It's like going to the grocery store and being like, yeah, I don't want to buy the $10 one, I want to buy the $12 one. <laughs> There's no difference. I mean, there might be a difference, but what what do you know? What, what do we what know? What voice are you doing right there? That was, who are you imitating? That was me at the wine aisle at uh, <laughs> one thirty-seven in the morning. I love it. That's me drunkenly like, I'm just I just need this to keep my buzz going. In the and, back of your mind is like, no good wine purchases are made after midnight. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> true, Kolka. And my dumbass voice, the one you guys just heard, is saying, "Buy the wine." That's what, that's what you were hearing. You always buy the wine. It's telling me to go to like to buy a box of wine. That's what it wants to happen. Yes. It's like forget this, buy the box. This is five dollars. Slap the bag. Slap the bag. Four pounds. I love that. It's like weight the measure. Unit. Yeah, yeah. Four, four pounds of wine. Bring your Drink own. Drink your weight in wine. All right. I think we can all agree that we'd rather have like quality like that tastes good to us versus like feeling like we spend more money on something you, that might not be hand raise again you, you, ra- yeah raise your hands here's yeah. the thing about podcasting no one can see you raise your hand so you should just talk. but i'm not raising my hand i'm raising it so other people don't so they know it's that, your turn that and i have go. a comment so i actually uh on that note kind of want to say that i disagree if i know mm-hmm. that i'm just sharing a bottle of wine between joey and myself i will go out and intentionally buy a more expensive bottle of wine just so I can try it because more often than not am I buying cheaper wines for groups of people Mm. so it on a rare occasion when I want to enjoy a wine and sit down and really just think about what I'm tasting I want to go for that top shelf stuff I want I want to try it because that doesn't happen often so if I buy a $40 bottle of wine you know it's his birthday or something yeah like it it just it, premiere it's of a, Westworld. Yeah, we all know it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Westworld or Game of Thrones is on. Or yeah. it's Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> or it's Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. You're off, kid. Yeah, I feel it. Attack on Titan just came out. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Oh, yeah. I would agree that because to me, connecting with tradition and history is really cool, and that is something that I really value about wine culture. And like, maybe it's bullshit to ninety nine percent of people. And it's probably bullshit to me most of the time. A lot of the time, I'll just try the wine and be like, that tastes like wine. But I aspire to be someone who knows those things because mm-hmm. that connection to history mm-hmm. and the fact that, like, I don't know, they talk about wine in the Bible. Like, Jesus made wine. Yeah. Magically, but he still did. What what wine do you think Jesus turned the water into? Fucking balling ass wine. What like, wine that like? doesn't even exist on planet Earth. Probably <laughs> he made some heaven wine. Cabernet Noir. <laughs> No, I don't know, man. It was definitely Sinfandel. Sinfandel. Ooh, that's that was a good. fantastic joke. That was such wow. a good joke that I didn't even understand it. You ever, oh, Zin, you ever heard of a Zinfandel? No. Really? Oh, damn. That's a Jody. 
Jesus, joke of the week. Jesus of the year. Yeah. Or, oh. Jesus of the year. Joke of the... <laughs> oh, flip. Anyways, um... All right, so it's it's interesting. Like that that does show you how how varied and like different the wine culture experience is. Because like half of us say, yeah, I'd rather like have something good. Half of us are like, yeah, I'd rather dig into the culture. So I mean, it really is a different strokes for different folks kind of thing. We do have a little tip for you this week, kind of off the same subject, but a little broader. What do you do? I'm about to start working at a new spot, and my old restaurant served only local things, so now I have to learn about all these other wines that... <laughs> local They're laughing because you gave away the name of his restaurant. <laughs> I don't work there anymore! <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> so yeah, now, I gotta local, these, you're getting... <laughs> now I gotta learn all these new wines. Uh, yeah. Now outside I gotta learn of, all these new uh, wines. Outside man. of 360 miles of Seattle, Washington. Yeah. 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 Um... <laughs> Uh, so now I gotta learn all these new wines and uh, Whitney's middle name is Lori <laughs> what what did you say Joey Wayne get Rebbe? them all out get them all out my mother's maiden name is Taylor <laughs> um, I'm not editing that out I'm not gonna edit it out <laughs> anyways you should start off that way Wallace's social security number is <laughs> if, seven if you zero knew, I would be nine impressed. three awesome. two alright let's let's talk about this though um so yeah. Uh, so how do you talk about things that you don't know anything about? Right. So I think your I think your point of coming into a restaurant where it's like, ah, oh, the wine list is huge. I maybe know one of these things. What do I do? What do we do, guys? There is one thing that you can do, and you can access this information from a variety of routes. But talk to the servers that have been there for a while, or even a little bit. Talk to the chefs, and that is find out what the most popular items are, because that is an adjective that will sell the item to people. Well, what can you say about this dish? Oh, it's certainly one of our most popular dishes. Everyone who enjoys it seems to love it. I haven't had one setback before. That was three sentences that said the same thing, but you phrase it in slightly different ways to affirm, affirm, affirm that this is a good item. And at that point, when they get it, they're so predisposed to thinking it's a good item that they'll probably like it, even if it's two buck chuck. Even if it's two buck chuck. So we have, at my bar, we have a drink that is um, ginger, pineapple, uh, a sweet vermouth, and, um, oh my goodness, and a, and a lemongrass vodka. Mm. It sells like nobody's business. It keeps mm. the lights on. Like, it literally is our best seller. Everyone loves it. You can, like, be like, oh, I don't really like girly drinks. It's not a girly color. It comes in a, a rocks glass. It's, it's, it appeases the masses. Why, why would it be a girly drink? It because sounds it's, good. It's, We've it been there. Good. It's good. That been was there. last episode, Whitney. We, we talked about this, like, if you're, you're going to be a man and drink whiskey or scotch. But, like, it's not, it's, it, everyone loves it. It's a, an amazing drink. And when people are like, I don't know what to get, I'm like, get this drink. And they're like, oh, my God, this is the best drink I've ever had in my life. I'm like, I know. Because it is. It is the best drink on our menu. What's it called? I can't say the name because it's too much name Just dropping. the ingredients. Okay. The ingredients, yeah. Wallace Sinclair brand. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we've got this drink, and people love it. Everyone loves it. Children, men, women, adults. It's like ginger beer with vodka and, like, pineapple. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah. And so when people are like, I don't know what I want to get, I'm like, get our best seller. And they do, and they love it. It works well. Speaking of the best drink on our menu, that's something that I did is after I started trying things, um, I figured out what my favorite things were. Like, this is my favorite drink. I'm going to tell people it's my favorite because that's a big, I don't know, it's a lot of allure. 
You're a person who's tried everything. What's your favorite thing? Yeah. This is my favorite thing. It's amazing. Not only are you a person who's tried everything, but you're a charismatic person who is likable and who is quickly relatable. Yep. And so whatever that customer is, that's a, that is, not whatever, whoever that customer <laughs> is, that is enough to get them to relate to what you're saying. Okay, this guy seems like a decently well-adjusted, positive, like friendly person. Therefore, probably likes things that people like that are good. Therefore, I trust his recommendation. And it's way easier to say, this is my favorite, here's why I like it, than it is to parrot a whole bunch of stuff that you read on the internet and like talk about the tannins and shit. You can just be like, tastes super delicious, it's, you know, and just tell your experience of it. It's way, way easier to connect with people. And it's just a way, like, it's true. It's just true. You don't have to think about it. So try some things on your menu and find one that's your fave. Yep. Yeah. For me, that's that's how I got introduced to it for everything. Uh, we do at my place, once, once you start serving, you go and you sit down. I, I work at a tequila bar. So you go and you sit down uh, off the clock and they just give you tasting after tasting after tasting of whatever you want to try. And I I know tequila at this point in time. Wine, on the other hand, is something I'm not nearly as good at explaining or like my knowledge breadth isn't as wide. And so uh, I've just tasted through all of our wines, figured out what I prefer and what I like. And I talk to the person on staff who knows the most about wine and I asked them, what do you taste when you taste this? Because God knows I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> and they tell me, I write that note down in my server book, I memorize it, and if I forget it, it's there. <laughs> and so I'll just tell a person, this is what I prefer, this is what you're going to taste. If you don't prefer blackberry, this one actually has more raspberry notes to it, so you should try that one. Yeah. And you just, I I could not taste that for the life of me, but somebody who can told me, so. For sure. You got to pick a few things. That was the advice I got the first the first day I took a table, and I had zero training on taking tables at that point. Um, another server who knew that I had had zero training out of the goodness of his heart was just frantically going through the menu with me, and he just goes like, this one and this one. You're going to say this and this and this about it, and those are the only two things that you're going to talk about. <laughs> Sell those two things and forget everything else. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I did. And then eventually, you'll learn the rest. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's the social situation. You have a willing buyer. You're not making a cold call to these people. These people came to your place <laughs> to eat your food. Yep. And that means they're putting their confidence and their experience in the hands of the restaurant in general. You're an associate of that restaurant. Therefore, they're putting themselves in your hands, even if it's subconsciously. And that is a very powerful thing that when we, when I said earlier 80% of experiences go well I'd say 80% of people will believe whatever the fuck you tell them <laughs> even if it's shitty and you say it's good they'll probably think it's good and more than likely if you work at a good restaurant it probably is good yep. you know everything's like okay you're not gonna put something on the menu as fucking like I don't know beans and fries or something <laughs> beans and fries <laughs> oh, yeah. that <laughs> is just the tip let's move on to a question before we tie this thing off let's yeah. see I got a question from Larry Larrington who asks my server just wow, wait forgot <laughs> Larry Larrington from maybe Larry I'm censoring the name maybe we don't include the names Larry from Larrington, Larry Larrington, Larrington the 16th from Larrysville, Laraland. Laraland. Yeah, that's exactly where he's from. Larry Via. Al Capone. I'm just gonna say the question we're gonna ask now because this has been 
Because All right, my butt balloon was like, popped. Um, Caitlin, Caitlin, just say Caitlin. Caitlin asks, "How? Do, what's the best?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can. Leave you me. threw me off, guys. Caitlin asks, "What's the best way to let my server know they forgot something?" Uh, pick up your knife and stab them. <laughs> Mike, pick up your knife and stab yourself. <laughs> Order something high proof. I don't want to deal with it. Order something high proof, pour it over yourself, set yourself on fire. <laughs> it's a protest. Murder yeah. and suicide are not the official stances of this podcast. <laughs> I agree, disagree. Stab um, them, tell them they're incompetent and they don't know how to do their job. So, as everyone can tell, we have killed the bottle of two-buck chuck yes. that we've been tasting, and also another bottle of wine that we've been drinking, so everyone's answers are off the rails by now. But I only had one glass. That shows you his liquor tolerance. So, it sure does. if we were to go into a more serious answer, honestly, the polite way is to understand that you're playing into an ecosystem of time, and every table in this restaurant plays into this ecosystem. However recently you got your thing means that you're now lowest in the queue, most likely before you get another thing or another audience with the server, particularly if they are busy. So what servers do a lot of the times is they'll do drive-bys, quote-unquote, where they walk through their sections, make purposeful eye contact with at least one guest at the table, use that opportunity. Look Mm -hmm. urgent in your eye contact, use your body language to turn towards them, convey uh maybe like if they're walking by you you know wave your hand or whatever let me just don't raise it above your head don't do the raise don't raise it above your head there's a difference between urgent and frantic yeah do not look frantic look urgent look i have something there's there's something important there's something important but i'm not frantic about it frantic if you are frantic the server will respond to you but you are definitely making that server's life worse yeah, by being frantic. They're yeah. gonna give your own franticness back to you, exactly. as opposed to if you're if you're looking urgent, then they're gonna be like, "This is important. I'm gonna take care of this with urgency." As purposeful. Opposed to I don't wanna frantic. say urgent. Purposeful. Like, yeah. look at them like, "Hey, there's something we need to talk about, but you're not in trouble." Yeah. For me, um, what I have found that I do when I go out to a restaurant after I started serving, if I realize that. I'm thinking, if I realize something might be taking too long, or I think the server forgot about something, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait at least five more minutes. At the point in time in which I want to say something, I'm going to hold off, because guess what? Maybe it's still coming. Maybe it takes a while. Maybe they're backed up. Maybe they have to go upstairs, downstairs, around the corner to go and get whatever fucking mayo you want. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's what needs to happen maybe it takes some time and they have 20 other people that need something at that moment so I just chill out calm down, sit there and enjoy what I have in front of me and then I let them know after as soon as they come in to check us out and see how we're doing I let them know, hey I was just wondering about this um, if they let me know I'm just being an impatient fuck and it just takes a little longer than I think, then okay, you know? That, that plays yeah. to a thing that honestly is true with a lot of life situations, which is that there are factors at play that you are not understanding mm-hmm. in this scenario. So many factors. Is the bartender hungover? Is he being a little shit right now and that's why your server doesn't have the drinks out to you yet? Totally possible, you know? Is, you know, is fucking one of the kitchen guys, like, doing a shit ton of coke and, like, having to go slip to the line for the, to the bathroom for a line real quick, and that's why your food hasn't gotten dropped. I mean, that those are both um, 
addict examples, but the point being that... Oh, or just, is it super slammed, and there are a lot of other people ordering drinks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to backtrack a sec to where the server actually forgot, where you know mm-hmm. they didn't mm-hmm. do it, it's almost the end of your stay at the place you're at, and you're like, hey, how do I approach this person about this? What do you guys think? I I mean, like, I think you can say, hey, did, did, did we order this thing? And you have to yeah. remember, too, you're always going to get for free. At, at this point, it's going to be free. Like, you're not going to pay for really, this. Not, I don't know not about true that. at my restaurant. There's, there's one. <laughs> not true. I honestly think there's one, like, true honorable solution to this. And that yeah. is you write a really passive-aggressive note <laughs> on the receipt and then tip them 0.0000000 and as many zeros as you can yeah. fit on the page dollars. Oh, okay. have you done that before, Joey? Yep. Oh, weird. Weird. Hey, fuck that guy. He was a dick, okay? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> if you're ever interested, uh, listen to episode Five. two? I think it was episode two. I think it was yeah. episode two. When we talk about when it's acceptable to not tip. Yes. Um, but no, for real, though, I think there is a way to do it. And I think it's this. I think at the, the point when you no longer believe or think it's within reason that you're going to get your item, you say, hey... Um, did we order X, Y, or Z? And then your server will most likely yeah. do this, like, oh my God, <laughs> kind of thing. And then you'd be like, it's fine. We've actually been okay this whole time without it. You know, we've been surviving without our Brussels sprouts. Um, and then they'll say, you know what? I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. It's going to be on the house. Putting and, it as a question I, like that is a really good mm-hmm. way to do did it. Did we? You always, like, just assume it yourself. Yeah. Don't assume the server fucked up because you don't know their life. And servers experience so much entitlement that it's so difficult to respond to entitlement well. Yeah. But if somebody goes like, hey, did I forget to order this? And then I remember that I forgot it. Then it's like, oh, no. And you're so nice. And I forgot you. And yeah. then I'm going to take such good care of exactly. you. Exactly. Because I always feel, I'm already going to feel so bad. Yeah. You know? And it's, I, it's like, it's like a, uh, a Pascal's wager, but applied to restaurants. Yeah, well, I totally for reference, know what that is. Pascal's wager is. I do. Should, is this what he's explaining right now? Um, no. Really. We can cut it. The Pascal's wager is the idea that if you're religious or not, well, you can bet on the idea that you're going to go to heaven, be religious, and then you go to heaven or not. But if you don't, at the very least, you like lived a committed life and whatever. It was just neutral at the end. But if you don't decide to be religious, then you go to hell forever, and that's way worse. Yeah. So, the Pascal's wager in restaurants is that. You take the wager that if your server is a normal asshole, if you bring that up, they will pretty much by default and by obligation comp whatever it was or give you something just because that's their job. If they're a good and nice server, they'll care the fuck out of you because they feel bad and they're a good person and they have empathy. Yeah. And that that's Pascal's wager for restaurants. Well, I'm definitely on, like, if, if I'm your bartender, I'm you're on the winning side of that wager. I will feel bad, I will take care of you, and I will probably more than likely comp other stuff. I'll, like, buy you a drink or something. That's weird, because you're a bad person, too. That's weird, right? Like, at work, I don't know, I don't know how that works out. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of tweets from our listeners saying, Wallace is just a bad person. Yeah, he is wearing a Supreme terrible. hat right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is, this is why we need... peace on it. So it's kind of camouflage. This you can't really why see why we it. need video in in the, in the studio right now. So you guys can see how much of a tool I am. My mustache. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this extra long episode of Shifty. Hold on, let's not wrap it up quite yet. Let's at least like transition to the to the interlude to the outro. The outro lude. The outro lude. <laughs> speaking Wait, of outro lude. Speaking of outro. Thanks for listening to this. Speaking of ludes, you guys got ludes. Speaking of lube, what? What? <laughs>
What? Speaking of outros, Cold Cut wants to get out of doing this podcast super bad, and I want to hit my vape, so I do too. It so we're going to say goodbye to you guys. An hour and half. My name's Cold Cut. I'm Wallace. I'm Whitney. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm Joey. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Shifties. And it's been our pleasure to serve you. Good night, God bless. We don't believe in God on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Only Satan. <laughs>